Welcome to the Unabridged Podcast. I'm Ashley. And this is Jen. Join us for bookish episodes and check out our website, unabridgedpod.com, where you can find lots of new bookish content to grow your TBR. Sign up for our newsletter to find out more about online book discussions and upcoming events. Find us on Patreon for extra unabridged content. Join us on Instagram and Facebook at Unabridged Pod and message us there or see our website to get plugged into the Unabridged community. You want opinions about books? We've got them. Hi, and welcome to Unabridged. This is episode 261. Today, we wanted to give some recommendations for books that are written by Indigenous authors. Before we get started today, I just wanted to share that we are continuing our Patreon efforts. We are really enjoying making that exclusive content for Patreon subscribers. And another exciting development that's happened pretty recently is that for Spotify users, it is now integrated really easily. So if you look up unabridged Patreon pals, you can sign up through Spotify and it just streamlines that process a little bit. So I don't know if you have resistance when there's a few steps. I sometimes have some resistance. There is just, it's just very smooth. So if you are a Spotify user, you could check that out if you are interested in seeing what content's available. And then you can kind of just click through from there and join should you choose to do that. And we really appreciate your support. Before we get into our recommendations for today, we're going to share our bookish check-in. Jen, what are you reading? So when I saw the book I'm reading was coming out, I immediately put it on hold. So I actually got it really early. This is Stephen King's Holly. And I've talked about Stephen King a lot on the podcast. Holly is an unusual character. So King does have several series, but the Holly Gibney series is one that he sort of stumbled into listening to him talk about this character. She was a really minor character in the Bill Hodges trilogy. And then I think he just really loves her. And so he just kept kind of accidentally writing her into different books. And so now she has her own trilogy. I should say I have not actually read the second book in the trilogy. And it's okay. I've read the first, which is The Outsider. <laughs> the second one I now have on hold. That's If It Bleeds. And then this third one is Holly. But it's one of those like, yeah, there are some mentions of the previous books and like, previous villains, but this one works okay as a standalone. So Holly Gibney, in this book, she begins as a private investigator. So she is a private investigator working with Bill Hodges investigative company, Finders Keepers. And she is asked to find a missing young woman. So her mother has been searching for her daughter, who was seen on her bicycle, her bicycle was found, there was a note on her bicycle that said, I've had enough, but her mom does not believe that she actually left the note. And basically, she hires Holly to find out what has happened to her daughter. And it does switch between multiple perspectives. So you know, very early in the book, who actually committed the crime. But it sort of peels back layers on why the things that are happening are happening and creating this web around this central mystery that pulls in other people Holly knows. I don't want to say too much because, of course, it's a mystery and I don't want to give spoilers, but it's so satisfying. It's such good storytelling. It is interesting because it takes place during COVID. And right at the beginning of the book, Holly's mother has just died because she refused to get vaccinated and refused to wear a mask. And so Holly, that is something Holly, who feels very differently, is struggling with through the whole book. And it was, it was a little jarring to be taken so directly 
into that perspective again, because Holly, you know, meets people, other people who wear masks, people are getting vaccinated. So that's something they share. Like, are you vaccinated? Yeah, I got Moderna. You know, I feel like those conversations we were having a while back, but then she does meet some people who disagree and who are very eager to tell her not to wear a mask. And anyway, so it, it was, yeah, it felt a little bit like a time travel, <laughs> not too long ago, but long enough ago that I was like, oh yeah, all of these things were happening. So anyway, King, as always, is a great storyteller. I think Holly Gibney is a great character. I hope he continues writing about her. I think she's really, she's so interesting and she has so many layers and she's overcome a lot to be at the place where she is in this book. So yeah, that is Stephen King's Holly. Oh, Jan, every time you talk about him, I'm like, man, I gotta get back to reading his stuff. I do love the way he crafts characters. Mm Mm-hmm. When it's so funny because I'm in the midst of teaching on writing with my students. Again, I feel like this happens every year and I promise it's accidental, but there are things, you know, to his direct advice to the reader in that book. And I'm like, oh, he's doing that right here. Or he has little passages that are echoing things he said in on writing. And yeah, it's a lot of fun. So anyway. All right, Ashley, what are you reading? Uh, One of the things I'm reading right now is Deborah Harkness's A Discovery of Witches. So this one came out quite a while ago, so a lot of people are probably familiar. Maybe it's old news, but (laughs) I had heard such great things about this trilogy and for whatever reason had just never gotten around to it. And so I, well, I think the reason was probably that the book is really long and and I did not realize because I (laughs) checked it out on my e-reader. And I am still like 75% or something, but well over 500 pages. And I was like, oh, this is, <laughs> this is probably people who listen all the time know that I'm reluctant with chunky books. And it moves quickly, but it is, it is a lengthy. The premise is that it's a historian who, Diana Bishop, who is, I mean, she's, a, you know, she's a historian, which I think is a great intricate part of the book. Deborah Harkness also is a historian and um, is very much in academia aside from writing. And you can really see that all those threads woven into her stories because so much of the book is historical fiction and really references times throughout history. So that's really fun. But she is a bishop. So she is from one of the families from Salem and the witch trials. And, you know, one of the prominent proctor bishop is her or her parents. Um, so she is heavily entrenched in witch genealogy, but she decides not to practice magic. And so there is this awareness of the magical world that humans are oblivious to, and she knows of it because she is a creature like the demons, the vampires, and the witches, all of which are present in the world but unknown to the humans. She does know it, but because she does not practice, she's very much outside of that world. And so you see that happening in the beginning, and she is doing her thing in the library as a historical researcher. And she comes to realize that there is a vampire, Matthew Claremont, who is very carefully studying her. (laughs) And so she's going into the archives, she's digging out these really historical texts, and she stumbles across one that she realizes does not want to be read, and yet she's able to open that text. And from that moment forward, and she opens it, she is overwhelmed by the like magical components. She closes it 
And then she sends it back through the <laughs> library system. And all of a sudden, there are literally hundreds of creatures showing up at, this, at the library in Oxford watching her and trying to figure out what she did, when she's going to get it back, all this stuff. So unbeknownst to her, this book was very, very, very important to a lot of creatures. But she doesn't know that. And so Matthew Claremont, who is definitely interested in the text, is also trying to help her because he realizes very quickly that she is in grave danger and that she does not understand the level of danger. So we see all that stuff unfolding. And I mean, I'm loving it. It is a great story. I mean, again, maybe it's old news and people are listening. are like, oh, yeah, I read that. But I just had never gotten there. But I think that it's such an intricately woven story. I love the central fantastical components of it. I think that that's really well crafted. But then I also love that Matthew Claremont, the vampire, has been uh, undead. I was going to say alive, but undead for a very long time through many, many, many epochs of history. And so it's just really fun because you get to see all these different ages not only from like from a firsthand perspective, essentially, in, in an imagined way that's just really interesting. So I am really enjoying it, and it's been a fun fall read. So that is Deborah Harkness's A Discovery of Witches, and it is the All Souls trilogy. It's the book one. I love that trilogy. There is a spinoff novel that I have not read. I need to go back and read it. And I've watched the series, too, which was fine. I mean, it wasn't as intricate as the books but it was entertaining enough yeah yeah I didn't even realize about the series and then I saw somebody had posted and I was like "Ooh, I can watch that also so yeah yeah that'd be a fun little getaway series yeah yeah Mm -hmm. yeah very fun so for our main discussion today we really wanted to share some recommendations of books that are by indigenous authors this is on our unabridged reading challenge for this year. A lot of you may be wrapping up with that, but I know that I personally am one who come November and December, I am frantically going through the (laughs) categories. Uh, This does not happen with unabridged because Jen helps me with my pacing and we give you all recommendations. But when I sign up for other challenges, I find that if they are not set by month, then I am one who's still reading. So if you're still looking for books to meet your categories, then Either of the ones that we're sharing today, as well as many others that we have read and shared this year, are great recommendations for the book by an Indigenous author. Jen, what is your pick for this recommendation? I am recommending Angeline Bouley's Warrior Girl Unearthed. And this is her second novel. Her first was Firekeeper's Daughter, which Ashley and I both read and loved. And so I was very excited to get an e-galley of Warrior Girl Unearthed and loved it too. I just think she's writing such strong books for a young adult audience that deal with issues that I'm happy to learn about. So this one focuses on the niece of the main character of Firekeeper's Daughter. So she, Perry Firekeeper Birch is Donis's niece. She is a twin. Her twin is very different from her. So Perry's twin is incredibly motivated and really focused on what she needs to do to get into a good college and just hyper involved. And Perry has a very different philosophy about life. It's summer. She wants to just chill and fish and not do much. And then she makes some bad decisions that mean that her parents and her aunt decide that she will be more involved in her community. So Donis gets her a job working at the Sugar Island Cultural Learning Center with a man named Cooper Turtle, 
who basically is in charge of the museum, but also in charge of the collections. And as part of her work there, she starts learning about NAGPRA, which is the Native American Graves Protection and Repatriation Act, which is supposed to mean that in the United States, indigenous cultures get back the artifacts that are found outside of their community. But Perry finds out that a lot of universities work within that those rules to keep the artifacts that they find or that they acquire. So Perry starts to learn about particular artifacts. She goes on eBay and finds some things being sold there. She finds artifacts at the university that belong to the Anishinaabe people. And she is really outraged that these artifacts have not, these remains have not been brought back to the community. So she starts looking for ways to make this happen. Now, Cooper's philosophy is one of caution and patience and trying not to alienate the people that he needs to work with at these universities to make things happen. He, he wants to maintain good working relationships. Perry is not about that. She is like, they are doing the wrong thing. And so we need to take action and do something now to make this happen. I don't want to get into too many spoilers. I will say there's a bit of a heist and Perry makes some missteps because she is really impetuous. And so it's one of those, her intentions are so good, but throughout the book, you see that sometimes her impulsiveness leads her to, to make decisions that are not necessarily the best considered decisions. I think her character is really well drawn and you definitely see she's she's a fun character to read about and I love the contrast with her sister Pauline there's also I mean there's so many great threads in this book there's one thread about missing and murdered indigenous women that really affects Perry's community there are you know there's a love connection there are really strong friend groups it's just a really well-drawn book with strong secondary characters but Perry at the center of the book is dealing with issues. Again, I was really happy to learn more about NAGPRA. I'd heard of it, but didn't know a lot to learn more about NAGPRA. And yeah, I I think it's just fascinating. So Bully has chosen to have quotations from the act itself, but also from different historians writing about it and different anthropologists writing about it. And so I think she has excerpts from primary sources that are really helpful to read as well, just to give a sense of, again, the intention and then the way things are actually being carried out or manipulated around this act. So yeah, I I have so many good things to say about Warrior Girl Unearthed and Angeline Bully's work in general. If you haven't read Firekeeper's Daughter, that goes unsaid, but I'll say it that that I would recommend as well. You don't have to have read that one first. But it was fun to see her continuing to build in this community and to continue to work with some characters who appeared in the first book. So, yeah. So that is Warrior Girl Unearthed by Angeline Bully. Oh, Jen, I can't wait to read that one. I didn't. Of course, I wanted to read it because Spark Cooper's daughter was so phenomenal. But I hadn't heard a whole I didn't remember a whole lot about it other than being like, oh, I want to read that. So that's really cool. 
it, it really blew me away. I cannot wait for her next book. Oh, and her work has been optioned by the Obamas for Netflix adaptations. So once the writer's strike is over, which we're recording a little earlier, so hopefully it's over by now. But if not, once that's over, I know that those adaptations will appear. And I'm hoping that'll bring in even more readers to her books and widen her audience even more. So that's great. All right. Yeah. Ashley, what do you want to recommend? So the one I wanted to share today is Sonora Ray's with the Lesbiana's Guide to Catholic School. I loved everything about this book. I love the cover. I was as soon as I saw it come out, I was so interested and it's just got a really vibrant, beautiful cover that draws the eye. And I was interested in, I liked the title. I was like, what does it look like to have a guide to Catholic school? And, you know, how does that happen? And so this one focuses on Yamilet Flores. She is a Mexican American girl who is starting at a Catholic school. She and her brother Cesar are both transferring to this school. It is predominantly white. It is predominantly wealthy. And they're going because Cesar cannot, Cesar and Yami are very close, the two of them. They're both close in age and they're also close as siblings. They they love each other. They get along really well. And Cesar cannot keep himself out of trouble at school. And so the big reason that they are transferring to this Catholic school is to try to help him because he is constantly in trouble and fights all the time. And so Yami is concerned about making the move, but is also like wanting to do it because she wants him to not be in fights anymore. And so that's really their motivation for making the change. But the other thing that happens right before they leave their public school is that she has a best friend who she is outed as being gay to this friend. And the friend not only does not handle the news well, but also is just completely turns on her, becomes really cruel to her, all that kind of stuff. However, even though that happened, it's still very much a secret. So Yami's mom does not know that she's gay. Her brother doesn't even know what has happened. So she has this event that motivated her also to make a change because she does not want to go back to the school and be in the midst of all of that. But then she also is carrying that secret. So all of that's going on right at the beginning of the book. And she is trying to figure out how to make sure that no one discovers that she is queer. And so that's a big part of her, like this whole like guide to Catholic school. She basically is like creating a a guide for herself to be like, I'm going to do these things and I'm going to act this way. And if I do these things and act this way, then everybody's going to be okay. And so it, it, there's lots, it's like laugh out loud funny. And there's a lot of parts that are just like really funny, but then it also is very heart wrenching. And as things unfold, you start to see, you know, she is not only worried that her mom who they live with might discover that she's gay and be upset. She's worried she'll kick her out of the house. So she's constantly trying to figure out how to save up money so that should she be removed from her home, she can keep herself afloat. And so again, I mean, I know all that sounds really heavy, but like there's a lot of it that's just really light and funny and she has this great attitude, but then it's also that she has a lot going on and I don't want to give any spoilers, but Cesar also has a lot going on. And some of the things he has going on were very, in my opinion, like unexpected 
and evolve in interesting ways. Another important thread is that her dad has been deported to Mexico, and there doesn't seem to be any hope that he's going to be able to come back. So she's living with her mom. They're still in touch with her dad. She is very close to her dad, but they're never able to, they hardly ever get to see each other. And so she really misses his presence like physically in their life, but she does try to stay in touch with him through calls and video chats and all those kinds of things. And yet the whole family is deeply impacted, of course, by his absence. And so all of that is unfolding also. So those are just a few things going on right at the beginning. I just think, I mean, I felt like Ray did such a great job of covering a huge array of very important topics in really meaningful ways. And all of them felt very authentic. And again, from Yami's perspective, I mean, she just is a character that you love right from the start and you're rooting for her and you're rooting for Cesar, but they also are going through some really, really hard things both together. There's some things they're navigating, but then individually, each of them have some really heavy things that they carry. And so I think you just see how all of that plays out. I mean, I loved it. I thought there there's all kinds of commentary also about culture and identity and how those things are woven and how they can be celebrated or exploited. And so I just felt like, yeah, I mean, it, it really, I, I loved it. I think it's just a great book. I'm so excited to see it on the shelf for young adults. And I thought it was a really phenomenal read. So again, that is The Lesbianist Guide to Catholic School, and it's by Sonora Reyes. I have looked at that cover so many times and thought that I need to read this book because you're right. It immediately catches attention, but that sounds so good. I, I only knew a tiny bit about everything it covered. And there are, even though, like I said, the tone in a lot of places is very light, but there are quite a few triggers in the book. And Mm -hmm. the author does disclose those up front just for readers to know the the topics that are covered. Mm -hmm. So, Yeah, that sounds great. Well, we wanted to give you a couple of recommendations for Indigenous authors. Again, there are tons. We have read several this year that would work for this. And there are just so many out there where we wanted to circle back around to that as a topic to give a couple more that we've loved to wrap up today. We want to share our flashback segment and we are looking back at two years ago this month. So this would have been November of 2021. Jen, what was something going on then? So I thought I'd look back at what we were doing actually on the podcast. And that was the month we read Anne of Green Gables for our buddy read or for our book club pick, which it was so fun to revisit that favorite, which Ashley, that was the first time you'd read it. Yes, yes. So that was really fun. And then our buddy read pick was Blackout. And yeah, that's another great one to revisit. If you haven't read that, it's a wonderful collection of YA short stories by just some YA powerhouse authors, including Angie Thomas and Nick Stone and Tiffany D. Jackson. Let's see if I can remember them all. Probably not. Danielle Clayton. Nicola Yoon. Oh, yeah. Nicola Yoon. And then Ashley Woodfolk. We were also talking, well, we introduced our new reading challenge, which, hey, keep an eye out. That'll be coming up soon. And we talked fairy tale retellings, which was one of our categories on the reading challenge that year. So yeah, it was a really, I felt like that was a really fun month. And I, when I was looking back at those things, I just got this warm feeling. Nice, nice yes. stuff. Yeah. What about you, Ashley? What were you doing two years ago? 
Yeah, well, it's kind of hard to believe, but I'm in Madrid now, and we were in Madrid <laughs> two years ago. Uh, we did not anticipate two years ago that we would be back in Madrid right now, but here we are for another fall semester. And we're very fortunate for that. Uh, But as I was looking back, something we did that was really special in November is we went to see The Lion King in theater, and it was phenomenal. So if you have not seen that, I know that that is one that's well-known, but I just could not believe how phenomenal that performance is. So um, that was a really special treat. And then the other thing that's really fun is that starting in November – They have Christmas lights all around the city, and so they put them up over the streets, and um, that's really fun, too. Very festive. That's awesome. Hey. Yay. It's fun to look back. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you all so much for listening today. We would love to hear your recommendations for books that you have enjoyed by Indigenous authors, and um, we are also excited to be reading Buddy Reads and Book Club books with you. So if you're interested in finding out more, you can always check out what we're reading on Instagram at Pod, or we also send it out in newsletters. So thanks so much for listening. Do you have comments or opinions about what you heard today? We'd love to hear them. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Unabridged Pod or on the web at unabridgedpod.com for ways to support us. To get more involved, you can sign up for our newsletter, join a buddy read, or become an ambassador. Thanks for listening to Unabridged. Unabridged.